All right, I invite you to turn your Bibles this evening. We're going to be in a, a couple different places, but we're going to start out in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We, are, do, we have been off and on through on our Sunday nights um, services doing a little study out of a book called Thinking Biblically. Again, this is something that I'm doing with the teens for Sunday school. Uh, I teach it a little bit differently to the age groups, obviously, but uh, there's something, I think, really some important truths and blessings out of here. And so we're learning how to think biblically. And so we're doing it from a couple angles. We've learned, again, the idea, kind of giving the, the premise for what this is about. When we look at life, again, a lot of times we make decisions or we act or live in certain ways based out of the influences that we've received or how we perceive the world. And a lot of that is viewed in our own strength, maybe from what the media uh, says. Uh, we kind of direct our lives that way. Maybe the upbringing we had, uh, the education we had sometimes plays a role in that as well. And I'll be honest with you, that's how a lot of people would look at the Bible or they look at Jesus through the lens of culture. Again, what does the world say who Jesus is? I mean, listed, they have so many different ideas of what Jesus is or what the Bible is. But the thing is this, how do we do real life? It should be the other way around. We should look through the Bible, and that's how we should see our world is through the Bible or through what God sees. And so that should really change our thinking and thinking biblically. So we've talked about a couple subjects, such as how we think about authority. Obviously, understand that God is the one who is our ultimate authority and gives, uh, puts authority people in our lives that we can go into and that we ha- respond to. We also talked about the presence of the Lord. If we understood where that God is with us through His Holy Spirit, through His Son, that we are never truly alone. There's no way we can hide from God. And if that's the case, that's, that should affect how our lives. If we knew that God was really with us and is always present, wouldn't that change how we live our lives? How we make decisions? Absolutely. We talked about God's will and knowing God's will. Some things are very explicit in the Bible. This is what you should do. Others are principles of that and learning how to do that, but also understanding what God's will is and how to abide by that. It's basically understanding God's desires. We also talked about wisdom, how to make wise choices. And uh, very important, that's we need wisdom on a daily basis. Again, we look at man's wisdom, which some of it may be okay, but I can tell you what, in the end, it's not going to lead you to what's the most important. We, taught, we sang a song earlier tonight, happiness is philosophy or some degree I earned? No. Happiness is what? The Lord. That's where it starts, okay? We also talked, the last time we went through this study, we talked about judgment and understanding that there is a judgment that we must all, especially as believers, that we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that we will give an answer for what we have done. And really that's not a, it doesn't change our destiny. If you are a believer, you are assured of heaven. But what this is uh, in, in regards to is uh, how we live our lives now. Is what are we are living for now really worth it in eternity? Uh, is it like gold, silver, precious jewels, or what we're building up our life? Is that wood, hay, and stubble which can be burned up? Is it worthless what we're living for? And so this is very important as we live our lives. And understanding these things should affect how we live and think biblically. Tonight we're going to be talking about, this is the last part of this, this book, and that is how to walk in love, how to live in love. And this is very important. Uh, and this is, if anything, this is probably fundamental to the idea of how we think biblically, is how we should love. Okay? So look with me in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to read the first two verses together. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and the Bible says, 
Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So this address, Paul is addressing here the believers in Ephesus, but he calls them followers of God and dear children. In other words, these are, he's talking to believers here, okay? Very simple. He's talking to believers, those that follow Jesus Christ, those that follow God. And so it says here, the command is given here to walk in love. Um, Maybe sometime we'll actually go through the entire book of Ephesians, but in Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 is really a doctrinal foundation. And then in chapters 4 through 6 is really practical application of those doctrines. It's, it's, it's really nice how it's separated. Paul's very logical uh, for the most part in his writings, but this is some practical living for, for Christians here. How do we walk in love? We do so because why? As Christ also hath loved us. And so this is the idea of walking in love, and this is very important. This should affect how we think. In this book here, the, the writer, he uh, relates a story. It's a short story by Leo Tolstoy, okay? And it was titled, The Three Questions. And in the, the little story, Tolstoy depicts a king who decided that if he knew the answer to three questions, he could accomplish any goal. So this was the king's questions he had. Number one, how can I learn to do the right thing at the right time? That's a good thought. Second question, who are the people I need most? And to whom should I, therefore, pay most attention to? Who's the most important person in your life? Hi, honey. <laughs> okay, but anyways, who's the most important person in your life, okay? Third question he had, the king had, what affairs are the most important that needs my first attention? Okay, so the king, the story goes, the king used all his resources to find the answers, but it's not until he visited a wise hermit that he received sufficient answers. And the hermit said to him, question number one, how can I learn to do the right thing at the right time? The hermit said, there is only one time that is important. Now, it's the most important time because it is the only time you have any power. Good, good advice. Second question, who are the people I need most and who should I pay the most attention to? The hermit said, the most necessary man or the person is the one you're with. For no one knows whether he will ever have dealings with anyone else. In other words, you deal with the person right in front of you. Question number three was, what affairs are most important that need my first attention? The hermit says, the most important affair is to do good to others because man was sent into this life for that reason alone. Okay? So this little story here demonstrates really the human quest to find really different pithy sayings, but it will affect the solutions that we make in life. In other words, if you understand those questions and how to live, it should affect our lives. The Bible also gives us many principles in how to live our life, and that's where we should look first, okay? So what principle often influences your behavior? We all live by principles, Okay, some people live by principals, meaning when you're in school, you had to answer the principal, and that affected a lot of how your day went, right? Okay, we're not talking about that. Some of you have been there, okay? <laughs> but nonetheless, what we're talking about, there are principles in the Bible that we live by, that we should live by. But everyone lives by principles, either of their own making, what society says, what the media says, what books say, but we all live by certain principles in our life, whether we realize it or not. 
The thing is this, as a Christian, the principles that we should live by should come from God's word. This is what's very important. And so, again, Paul is saying here we should walk in love. Why? As Christ also has loved us. And so, this is important. How then should we live? How should we live in love? We actually talked about this on Wednesday night this past week, but let's go to Matthew chapter 22. It gets very basic, but Matthew chapter 22 Again, the question is, what is the greatest commandment in the law? What's the greatest law? What's the greatest principle, if you will, that we should live by? Okay, Matthew chapter 22. Let's begin reading in verse 37. Matthew 22, begin in verse 7. Jesus said unto him, unto the lawyer, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So from this passage we see, and we see the principles that God has laid out for us here, or commandments, what is most essential in life? Number one is, what's the first commandment? To love God. Love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, which means your entire being. Love God. If you truly love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, your entire being, doesn't that change how you live your life and how you think and how you act? Absolutely. Okay? Uh, so this is very important here. In other words, Jesus is asserting that love should guide our every moral and ethical decision. In other words, every decision we make in life should be a reflection of our love for God. Pretty simple. But that's very important. So think to yourself for a second. Answer in your, your own mind. How do you demonstrate your love for God? Just some practical things, I'm sure you could say. Uh, prayer. Maybe singing a song to the Lord. Uh, maybe uh, reading your Bible. Attending church. These are ways that we express our, our love for the Lord. I pray that you're here tonight, not just to hear me. You could hear other people that are better than me, folks. I, I hope that you're here tonight because you want to love God. This is an expression of your love for the Lord. I, I, that would thrill my heart to hear that. Okay, So that should affect our lives. The second question, though, is this. In the second uh, commandment, the second principle is to, love. number one, love God. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? Exactly, your fellow man, whoever's around you. That's your neighbor. You're supposed to love them. Okay? Now, I was talking with the teens this morning about this. This does not go mean when you see someone across the street, go up and give them a bear hug and tell them you love them. Maybe they need that. It's not talking about that, but basically caring for one another, having that heart of care, compassion, uh, and help for, for one another, okay? So this is very important. What's the way we can show our, or demonstrate our love for others? Spend time with people, uh, maybe giving a gift or a present or maybe a bag of groceries, uh, witnessing to them, telling your, sharing your testimony, praying for them. Uh, there's a lot of things we could probably add to that, but these are all excellent ways that we can show our love for one another. Can I brag on my son for a little bit? Wesley. Okay. Uh, I mentioned this morning that, you know, with it getting warmer, it's like all of our neighbors are out, kids are out, they're playing and everything. Anyways, the other day, uh, Wesley was out and uh, in the road right in front of us, there's um, a lot of the kids are riding their bikes and doing things like that. One of our neighbor kids, uh, he was on just a little trike. He's just a little, probably a three or four year old kid. And uh, he was riding his little trike and all that, and for some reason, he ended up stumbling and kind of falling off of it. You know what Wesley did? He was across the street. He walks over, 
and he just puts his hand on his friend, his neighbor friend, and in what, if you know Wesley, in his own way, are you okay? He was checking on him. Wesley was loving his neighbor as himself. Wesley, good job. Okay? That's the way that we should all should be. We should look for ways to do that. And that's, that's a, a tender heart. Yes, Tabitha, you did it too. <laughs> okay. So these are all ways to do that. Okay? So as we think about that, again, it goes back to this idea uh, when we love God, uh, by the way, I don't think we can honestly love our neighbor as ourselves as Christians unless we first love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. It really flows one from the other. If you truly love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, it will be. It doesn't make it easy necessarily to love your neighbor, but it flows more naturally to love your neighbor. Why? Because we walk in love as Christ has loved us. That's the idea. Okay, so this is very important. Jesus is indicating here that our love for God controls our moral and ethical decisions. Uh, so let's see how this is in practice. Let's go to an Old Testament character. There's probably several we could pick from, but I'm going to use what the author gives here, and that is the book of Daniel. Go with me to the uh, book of Daniel, chapter 1. And let's look at the example here of, of Daniel. Again, the idea is, to, is how do we love how do we love and how is our change, how is our attitude and actions different because of our love? Would you say that Daniel loved God? He does. He did, absolutely. And if you have any questions after a few moments here, you'll have no question that whether he did or did not love God. In Daniel chapter 1, we are going to begin reading in verse 3. Okay, so if, uh, actually, yeah, it mentions it right here. Daniel chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, it says here, and the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that should bring certain of the children of Israel and the king's seed and of the princess. Okay, remember, and we talked about it a little bit this morning, talking about Isaiah. But remember, after um, the year 586 B.C., the Babylonians came and destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and they took many of the Jewish people uh, with them back to Babylon. They, so the Jewish people are in exile and some of that group that was brought back was Daniel and his three friends that we know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, those are the, the four that we know the best out of that whole group. Okay, And so they are brought there. And it says here in verse 4, children, this is the children of Israel. Okay, they are, by the way, go back to verse 3, the children of Israel, the king's seed and of the princes. So this is the royalty. This was uh, it wasn't just any Jewish person. They specifically, especially at the beginning, the Babylonians uh, captured or brought back to, with them um, Jewish people that are of royal descent. Okay? And they had certain positions, and we're about to see that. Verse 4 says, Children in whom there was no blemish, well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding science, and had the ability to stand in the king's palace, to whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Okay, so as we look in this, this passage here, again, people who are coming here are captured Israelite royalty. Uh, and here's the question, and actually I never thought of it this way before until I was studying this. Outside, uh, were, were Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were they the only Jews participating in this event that was going on? No, there were other Jewish people there. But what made them stand out from all the other uh, Jewish people that were in exile. Very interesting as we see that. And so, 
It says in verse 5, And the king appointed a daily provision of the king's meat and the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years. And at the end thereof they might stand before the king. And among these are Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then they changed the names in verse 7. But here's the important part. What happened in verse 8? They are receiving all the king's provision, all his food and everything, to basically become Chaldean. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine that, which he drank. Wherefore he refu- uh, requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel in, into favor and, and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Okay, So, in other words, what's happening here is this. Daniel's friends decided not to partake of the king's portion, because why? It it went against what the Lord had taught them. Verse 10, And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my Lord, who hath appointed that your meat and your drink, why should he see your faces? Worse liking than the children, uh, children which are of the others of your sort. Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Uh, and of course, they were worked out a compromise. Verse 12, Prove thy servants, test thy servants, I beseech thee ten days, let them give us pulse, basically like vegetables, water to drink, and then the countenance changed. Okay, verse 15, Daniel and the three others, they did quite well. Okay, so it, it was interesting seeing that. But nonetheless, Daniel made a stand uh, right there that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. There was things that, you could say, things were offered idols. He knew that that went against God had commanded for them to practice. Um, we don't hear what the other Jewish people did, but Daniel and his three friends decided, no, we will abide by what the Lord says. So, what happened is this. They would not compromise. Rather, they sought an alternative. And I think the Lord blessed them for that. In this, you could say that, what was Daniel doing here? He was following the first commandment, to love God with his entire being. Love, soul, and might. Sometimes we think about, man, just Daniel just didn't want to budge. He was just being cranky or whatever else. No, he, the bigger purpose of Daniel's uh, response there was he wanted to love the Lord his God and show others that he was doing that. And so he, I don't think he was doing it, make it to be a big scene. He just simply, I'm going to follow the Lord. And so that's the important thing. Now you can imagine yourself on a practical application, maybe, uh, you know, everyone else was doing it. In itself, it's probably not a bad thing per se, but nonetheless, it defiled his conscience. Uh, it defiled what he knew of what the Lord said. Uh, even so, there are times in our lives that we may be faced with activities or sometimes settings or sometimes decisions with us, but that might seem regular to other people. But, for, but we know that that would be a going against God or that would somehow um, uh, maybe affect our testimony for the Lord. Just for an example here, I remember it's been some years ago now that there was a family wedding, uh, different, different area and all that, and uh, after, after the, the wedding ceremony for the reception, uh, the bridal, or, the, or excuse me, the wedding party decided to go from bar to bar to bar in, in the town where the wedding was happening. To be honest with you, every other wedding in that county, that's how they did it. Okay? They went from bar to bar to bar to go drinking and live up the town, live up the night because of the wedding that happened, okay? Um, and uh, I, was, I was asked, hey, you want to come with us? You know what? I had no desire to do it, but I, I did it for a big reason. I wanted to honor the Lord. I wanted to love God with all our heart, soul, and might. And here's the thing. When we face these ethical decisions, remember there's just two choices on the sh- shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. 
I think there's three questions you could probably ask yourself. Is this decision, this activity, this even opportunity, how should we then live? It might be a wedding thing like that, or it could be something else. But here's three questions you can ask yourself, and this is a good, good practice. How do you distinguish yourself as a lover of God in these situations? Question number one, does this activity or this decision, will this cause me to stumble in my walk with the Lord? For Daniel, obviously, by taking the king's meat, it would have caused him to stumble, okay? Question number two, does this activity or this situation, will this cause others to stumble? By saying, oh, man, he can do it, I can do it too type of thing, okay? It could lead others into other issues. And here's the, the last thing, probably the most important question is this. Will this situation or this activity cause the testimony of Christ to stumble? Now, Christ will never fall. He will never stumble. But in a sense, the testimony for his namesake, could that be stumbled as well? That's it's something to consider. So again, uh, the most important thing is this. How do we think biblically? Most of the time, Christians really don't think biblically when it comes to things like this. And they get, a, they get kind of stressed out about this. Well, should I or should I not do this? Okay. Each situation might be a little different, a little nuanced. But these are questions you need to ask yourself. You need to seek the Lord. You need to seek wisdom. Seek his word in, uh, in knowing what, what to do in those cases. Okay. So again, this is loving God with all your heart, soul, and might. By the way, Daniel's love for God not only affected his workplace ethics, being in the king's palace, but also affected his personal ethics as well, how he lived his life privately. You know, in this world today, there's a lot of people who would say, you know, when you're at home, you can worship God all you want, play your Christian music, pray, you can read your Bible, do all that at home, or go to your church and do that. But when you come to the workplace or when you come out in the market square of, of the society, put that all away. In our Western culture, we separate the two, spiritual and physical, all the time. In, according to the Bible, those interweave together. How we think and how we live, they, they, inter, uh, they interact with each other all the time. This is something important. Let's skip over now to Daniel chapter 6. This is the famous chapter of Daniel in the lion's den. Okay, A good Sunday school story, but it's a story that we should all read often to remember. By the way, there's two aspects of the book of Daniel. Uh, there's a, when we usually think of Daniel, we usually think about the future, his prophecy, things like that. But also it's about faith. How do you live in the faith in the midst of the pressures of society around you? So we have here in Daniel chapter 6, look with me beginning in verse, uh, verse 4. Remember, Daniel has a very important position in the Persian Empire at this point. Verse 4 of chapter 6 says this, Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel, Concerning the kingdom, but they could not find occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Okay, verse 5. Then said these men, We did not find any occasion against Daniel, except we find him concerning of his God. Ah, man, this guy, he doesn't do anything wrong, keeps you know his shirt buttoned right, everything. But the only thing we can find, man, he just worships a different God. That's the only thing we can blame on him. So we know that the story. Those guys went to the king. King, let's make a decree that for 30 days, everyone should pray to you, bow down to you, and no other gods for 30 days. Of course, King liked that idea. That sounds really good. Of course, he didn't realize that's going to affect some of his choice uh, ministers, including Daniel. Okay? We know what Daniel does. Daniel knows of that decree. Verse, um, verse 10. Go to verse 10. I think this is interesting. 
So everything's signed. Laws of the Medes and Persians that can't be changed. And then verse 10 says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed. In other words, Daniel knew the law. He knew the law. And he went to his house, his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees uh, three, three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before time. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying, making a supplication before his God. Of course, they caught him, threw in his lion's den, and we know that God delivered him by his angel, uh, and they did not harm him. Praise the Lord for that. Amen? So with that in mind, what, let's look at this. Look at Daniel's personal character. We saw him how he dealt in the workplace, that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. That's a workplace thing. But now his personal life, he's at home praying. And even that was illegal. Okay? But what does the Bible describe? How does the Bible describe Daniel's character? What was his character like? God came through, through, but it says here that there was no fault in him. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. That's true. And in that, they found no fault. He did what was right all the time. Okay? And even when no one was watching, Daniel did what was right. Okay? So very important. There was there was no fault in him, no occasional fault. Um, but again, we saw that the, the, uh, the trap was devised, pray only to the king. Okay? Daniel, what did he do? Even though he knew law, he still prayed. And despite facing a severe sentence, a death sentence, some people might say, you know what, for 30 days, we'll just, you know, we'll just pray to ourselves, we'll keep our eyes open, you know, whatever they do. Okay? They'll just try to brush it by. Daniel was serious about his love for God, loving God with all his entire being, his heart, soul, and might. He did it, and he prayed even as home, even when it was under, under that penalty, okay? So, again, when we think about this, it's unlikely we might face uh, uh, a situation like this. Most likely, you're not going to be thrown into a lion's den around here or be thrown into a cage at the Como Zoo, okay, for, uh, for, for praying or things like that. But nonetheless, some of us might face some other types of persecution. Uh, back some years ago now, there was a friend of ours in Tennessee, who he was uh, working at his job, and uh, I think it was over a lunch break or something, he had a conversation with one of his co-workers. They were talking about philosophy and things like that, and in the discussion, he brought up about, in a sense, uh, that there is a God that he serves and that he answers to. And in a way, he kind of gave a witness uh, during that lunch break. Well, that co-worker didn't like that and turned him in to human resources, and basically, he was um, given a huge scolding, do not do this again on the workplace, even though it was a consensual conversation, put it that way. And this is in Tennessee, by the way, the Bible Belt, okay? So it, this, it happened there, okay? So the thing is this, when you do this, how do you respond in that way? Well, my friend, I said, you know, what does Jesus say? Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. So I said, you're a blessed man. I'm a, I want to be around you, okay? All right, so we, we don't necessarily look out. We shouldn't be go on the street and say, hey, persecute me. You know, we're not that type of people, okay? However, we should be steady in our lives and our love for God. Here's the thing, and I look at Daniel's life and all this. Daniel was not trying to be showy in his testimony, the way he lived his life. He wasn't going around, you know, says, I love Jesus cap, you know, going around. Some people do that. It's okay. He was not trying to be flashy or showy, but I would say Daniel was steady. And that's a good lesson for us. Don't be showy, be steady. 
Be steady. Be consistent in your life, in your love for the Lord. Let it be a daily part of your life, okay? So this is a very important, uh, really, lesson for us as well, that our love for the Lord should be evident in all areas of our life. And in doing that, loves our, our neighbor as ourself. Uh, another quick thing, and we won't turn the passage there, but in the book of 1 Samuel, uh, we read this about loving our neighbor as ourself. That's, uh, Daniel was kind of loving how to love God with all your heart. Now, how do you love your neighbor as yourself? Um, remember the story of Jonathan and David. They were two best friends. But remember, what was the dynamic in this? Um, who, remember, David had a kind of an enemy there in the kingdom. Who was that? Saul, who was Jonathan's father and your best friends? Man, alive. That was a very, that was a, talk about a love-hate relationship. It was, it was very tense there in the kingdom. Um, but in doing that, what dilemma did uh, Jonathan have uh, in that case? He loved David. He wanted to help David, protect David. And I think Jonathan, in his heart, knew that David was the next to become the king. Even though that Jonathan had every right, kind of legally, to do that, David had that, uh, was being called. But at the same time, John, uh, David, or excuse me, Saul tells Jonathan, go bring David to me so that I can punish him, kill him. Okay, that was his code word. What was Jonathan supposed to do? Obey his father or protect his friend? That's a dilemma that they had in the kingdom, okay? He knew that David was innocent. So whose side did Jonathan take in the dilemma? David's side. He went and protected him. And then I got to ask you this question, though. If you know that story, how was Jonathan, what consequence did Jonathan face because of that decision? Did his father Saul like that? Absolutely not. In fact, he cursed out Jonathan. In fact, he even threw a javelin at Jonathan. So he took his anger and frustration even at that. But at the same time, Jonathan, I believe he loved the Lord with all of his heart, but he loved also his neighbor as himself in that case was to Jonathan, okay? Or it was to David. And so this is very important. He had a love for David and also a, a vow, a promise to David as well. And David honored that. Remember after Jonathan was killed in Saul, that years later when David became king, how did David return the love to Jonathan? How did he do that? Remember? He took, he took care of his lame son, Mephibosheth. Exactly. He remembered that promise, that covenant. And so David reciprocated that love that he had received from Jonathan in helping out Mephibosheth and his family. So I think that's interesting when we see this. So that's a good practical example. From Daniel, we see how to love God with our entire being. And how do we care for our neighbor? Look at the story of Jonathan and David right there. And you see how those two come together. So, like I said, in understanding our role in following the Lord, in His Word, the principles that we have here, to walk in love, by knowing that we should love God with all our heart, soul, and might, that it should affect every decision, every activity that we make today. Again, there's just two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. When we honor the Lord, when we remember that, man, I'm doing this for, I'm not, by the way, when we say we should love the Lord our God, we're not doing that because God's going to punish me if I don't do everything right all the time. Okay, some people live in that fear of God. God's not that mean schoolmaster. What was her name again, Miss? Nixon. You almost forgot. <laughs> yeah, all right. But anyways, it wasn't that mean schoolmaster. God is there as our Father. And by doing, by loving Him, we should do exactly what it is. So going back to what Ephesians says, to walk in love as God 
has loved us. So again, it kind of goes full circle. This is the way we should live our life and think biblically. So when we see our neighbor on our street, when Wesley sees his friend across the street who had fallen down, hey, you know what? Because I love God, I'm speaking for Wesley now, because I love God, I'm going to do what comes natural. I'm going to go and check on my neighbor. I'm going to care for them as well. And you see how that goes. For, by the way, isn't that a great testimony? When our neighbors, when our friends, when those around us sees a caring hand, and we do it in the love of the Lord, doesn't that honor the Lord all the way around? Absolutely. And that's how we think biblically. 